right. Welcome everybody to Amateur Radio Roundtable. I'm Tom, W5KUB, and I keep watching over here. Katie has tried like 10 times. She, she almost makes it, but she's having trouble getting in. She must have some snow out there, out there in Wyoming. But uh, Katie, as long as you feel like it, just keep on trying. Keep on plugging away there, you know. Never, 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 never give up. Winston Churchill. Okay. Hey, this show is about ham radio and uh, amateur radio, and we'd like to welcome you out there to, uh, to all of our uh, viewers and listeners out there. If you're listening on International Shortwave on 7490 on uh, the planet, that's called WBCQ up in Monticello, Maine, would like to uh, say uh, uh, thanks for joining us, uh, and uh, hey, you can always join the live video show, and we also have a chat room if you just go to W5KUB.com on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, uh, everybody do me a favor, please. Hit the subscribe button. We need everybody to subscribe. That helps us on our rankings of our show, so please hit the subscribe button. Alan can't make it tonight. He's in the middle of a big storm up in New Jersey. We do have Rich with us from CQ to find out what's going on in CQ. And uh, Katie, hey, I think we got Katie. Katie, are, are you there, Katie? She's muted, but... I think we got Katie. She's smiling. She's hearing us. I see a smile. Up, oh, her smile froze. Nope, she's moving. She's moving. Maybe she just don't have a mic hooked up. Uh, I don't know. Let's look at. Let's see if I can bring Katie in. How do I? How do I do this? Let's see. There's Katie. Okay. She's gonna see. have to do her segment in sign language. All right. I got. What in the world have I got going here? There we go. Okay. Hey, Katie. Can you descend, wave at us, Katie? If you can hear us, wave at us. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. All right. She's hearing us. Katie's here with us tonight. It's just that she doesn't have a voice tonight. So I don't know what's going on. Well, Katie, stick around as long as you want to. And uh, at some point, it might start working. Uh, and, and then again, it might get worse. So anyway. Uh, um, how about now? Hey, hey, I hear you now. It, it, did, did Dwayne get off the Internet? No, I just changed the microphone to the webcam, which... It's not what she normally work, but I was just trying something. It's my computer is just not cooperating. Not yeah. Happy. All right. Let me do something here. I got to click this little box here. I got to click that little box for 3D, and that will allow you to work better here. Okay. There we go. So you're working. You got it. We'll see. All right. Uh, any snow out there tonight? Yes. Yeah, snowing right now and it's, it's kind of wet and heavy stuff and i think that's part of the we've been yeah. having internet issues up here anyway as you know from last week but, yeah um now we've got this heavy wet stuff going on outside so it doesn't help any <laughs> yeah well oh sorry at least you made it that's good we thank you so much stick around here and uh join us uh if it gets any better you know and hey join us <laughs> if it gets worse we'll uh, we'll stick it out here 
Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Where was I? Uh, so we've, we've started just about five minutes late tonight. And we had a few little interruptions there with some Internet issues. But uh, I think we're doing okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to have a show tonight, and it, it'll start rolling here uh, pretty good. And um, let's go out to uh, Glenn. Glenn uh, Popil. How you doing, Glenn? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm just having one of those crazy nights. All right. I have my backup plan. View speaker. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now we're now we're not switching to Glenn. Now oh, you're boy. not switching to me. Well, hang on. Something is just really screwy tonight. Viewer. Well, there you go. My audio works. Yeah. Full screen. Uh, that's not working. Boy, things are just really. <laughs> I think it's my fault. It's yeah, you started it. You started it. Oh boy, that's not that's not good either. Okay, we're, boy, we're going through all kinds of things here. Let's go there. Boy, it is so messed up now. <laughs> it is so messed up. I can see myself sort of. It is so messed up. What in the world is happening here? Now I'm just in a little corner of my world. Man, it is. Uh... Oh man, this is this is not good. Where's our engineer at tonight? I go there. I'm on speaker. Okay. I'm on speaker. Boy, what a mess tonight! It has really been a mess, hasn't it? Okay, that's right. Yeah, you had it all working, and then you had to lock things here. in oh, to keep oh. Katie on the screen. We may have it here in a minute. Well, all right, I need a Zoom person. How do I get the screen back to this? I'm on speaker. I'm on speaker. Isn't view. there a checkbox to say switch to active speaker or something? That's what I've that's what I've checked. Active speaker should be going full screen. But he's not. No. You 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 missed something somewhere. Uh, it well, is I'm really gonna, messed up. It's messed the, up. I think I'm in a bail because this is not it's yeah. buzzing in and out. So yeah, it's all, it's, all it's all your fault. It's all your fault. It's yeah. <laughs> It's all your fault, Katie. I'm so sorry. Katie, we'll see you next we'll week try then. Again. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah. But we'll reboot the internet. I think we're going to have to reboot the internet because something. Uh, let's see. Well, what? Oh, what? You, you. There was a South Park episode <laughs> uh, that, where the internet went down. And so they yeah. called in. There you and, go. I mean, and a team of scientists and engineers couldn't figure it out. And so one of the kids ran up, and it was a gigantic uh, Linksys router. About yeah. the size of a work. Huh. You know, huge. And all they did was unplug it and plug it back in again, and the Internet came back. All right. <laughs> so, guys, we're going we're gonna to run with well, – let me go gallery. Uh, we're just going to run with this picture here tonight. I, I – our normal pictures aren't here. We're going to run with this tonight. This is fine. So, hey, Glenn, thanks for being here, man. I don't know what you said a while ago, but let's go to uh, <laughs> let's go to yeah, Bill. Yeah, let's go to Bill. Hey, Bill, how you doing, man? Hey, doing good. Building uh, solar panels. 
Yeah. I know. Uh, that's cool. I uh, like them. Get a bunch of them ready. And I wanted to show you my favorite soldering iron. This is a uh, Weller WX2. And here's the coolest thing. Let's say I, I'm going to put another tip in. Yeah. You just go like that. And yeah. it's got a little audio jack. And it plugs in. And you're off with another tip. Oh, that's slick. It is really cool. Yeah. But it's expensive. <laughs> well, but I do a lot of work. So uh, well, uh, this is this is the iron for me. Well, mine's not near that expensive, but my tip also pulls out. I don't like the way it pulls out. It doesn't plug in. It just kind of makes a mechanical oh. connection when it goes in. And so this uh, is actually like an audio jack for yeah. power. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's uh, slick. But it's uh, and and it's got a desolder tool along with it. Oh, that is, is a, really that's, handy. that's cool. All right. Well, good. All right, look, we've wasted enough time here. Let's just jump on in to Rich there. I know it's getting late on the East Coast, and Rich may be wanting to go to bed. I don't know. But, Rich, let's talk about CQ next month, man. I'm interested to know what's going to be coming coming out to us, man. Well, we've got another great issue coming up. I hope, I hope my voice holds up through it's, here. I, okay. I, allergies have been acting up. Um, before we get into next month, at the, the end of this month, this weekend is the CQ Worldwide DX Contest phone weekend. So uh, propagation will be good because the CQ Worldwide makes its own. And we've got a rising sunspot cycle anyway. So be sure to get on the air and work some great DX this weekend. Coming up in the November issue of CQ, um, we start out in our News Bites column introducing a brand new meteor shower. I don't know if you guys have heard about this yet. It's called the Arids Meteor Shower. And uh, it uh, started showing activity in late September and peaked in early October. And uh, it's from uh, a comet that, uh, which, what's the name of it? Comet 15P Findlay, which uh, orbits the solar system every six years. And we've been going through its uh, dust stream for quite a while now, but it has never really generated a meteor shower until now. So um, they're going to have to wait and see if we uh, have another shower next year as, it, as we go through the dust stream again. But it has a name, the Arids, and uh, we'll see how it does. So anybody who's into meteor scatter, you have a new opportunity there. Um, <clears throat> The main part of the issue starts out with, an, I can't give you the call sign yet of this station, but uh, it's from the top scoring station in the CQ Worldwide WPX contest, CW, which we have the results of in this issue, on uh, how they did it. They entered multi-distributed, which is a new category, where you can have a bunch of different stations in different locations all operating together. Uh, coordinated via the internet so you don't have two signals on at one time in one band and uh, they uh, put together a collection of, of stations and operators from uh, several cities um, to uh, just blow away the competition score-wise. It's, uh, it's a really fascinating story of how they organize the whole uh, 
setup. And then we do have the full results of the WPXCW contest and uh, a review of the VHQ hex beam, which uh, the authors describe as a New England, New England survivor. Um, the uh, hex beam has always been an interesting antenna. It's basically has its genesis in the loop antenna, and that gets its start from Les Moxon, G6XM. So we figured if we're going to do a hex antenna article, we should try to find something that Les Moxon did. And I found one article from him 59 years ago and uh, have that in our CQ Classic for November on multiband quads. Very interesting uh, piece by a very well-known name in, in antennas. Uh, we've got the rules for the 2022 already the 2022 CQ Worldwide 160 meter contest, uh, CW weekend in January, single sideband in February, and rules for the 2022 CQDX marathon, which of course runs all year, and uh, the logs for the 2021 marathon are due on the 5th of January. So we'll keep that in mind. Uh, for our shortwave listeners out there, if you want to hear Afghanistan, Jerry Dexter of Listening Post says you should start tuning around 7,600 kilohertz. And uh, you might find it there. <coughs> Excuse me. It's uh, Radio TV Afghanistan. And if you're lucky, you will, you will find it. In our emergency communications column, we look at some lessons learned from Hurricane Ida. And uh, it was a particularly bad storm here where I live. Unfortunately, today's storm is nowhere near that. Um, kit building editor Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, who's usually in the audience here, is starting his 13th year uh, writing the column. And uh, this one is on solving the coax conundrum. Read it and see what it's about. We have a new columnist for our microcontrollers column. Uh, Jack Purdom, W-A-T-E-E, and he starts his new column this month. Um, his title is, I'm out of pins. So <laughs> trying to <laughs> see what he can do with the number, how many different functions he can get off the pins that are available on microcontroller. Um, Anthony Luskry, K-8-Z-T, who has been our microcontroller's editor, is starting a new column in the December issue called uh, Ham Radio Explorer, and he's going to be looking at, at different um, areas of the hobby that may be not as popular as some others, uh, trying to make sure that people know what's out there. This is such a diverse hobby. And, uh, you know, people, I, I hear people telling me, oh, I'm getting bored. Well, if you're getting bored and you just haven't found something that's going to satisfy you right now to do because there's all sorts of stuff out there. In our learning curve column, we have a brief primer on capacitors and uh, we have rules for fox hunting and a recap of the 2021 CQ Worldwide Fox Hunting Weekend in Homing Inn. It was uh, a first return to some group activities there in the springtime. Fortunately, it was outside, so uh, it made it a little bit more comfortable for a lot of people. In uh, our VHF Plus column, we're looking at some international VHF activity, including a transatlantic opening on two meters 
in August, um, basically between the Canary Islands and some Caribbean islands, and then up into Spain and Portugal as well. So anybody wants to tell you that two meters is local band only, um, look, think again. And speaking of DX, our DX column has the latest on the on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, attempt to get a de-expedition to Bouvet. So we're covering the 3Y0J de-expedition, which is planned for 2022. And uh, we've got full details on those plans and how they're all put together. In contesting, um, our contesting editor, N3QE, takes a deep dive on top band. And in uh, propagation, Thomas Hood, NW7US, talks about the rise of a solar cycle, which certainly is rising. And uh, that's just a little bit of what we've got coming up in the November issue. I would tell you more, but my voice isn't going to cooperate, so I will leave it at that. And we still have our uh, subscription special going on with an extra issue for each year that you sign up for. Um, 13, 26, or 39 issues instead of 12 24 36 and just go to our website www.cq-amateur-radio.com and you can see all the details and get signed up there all right well that was uh real interesting and you said not enough or too many pins uh that was our issue on our zoom tonight we i had too many people pinned so uh we learned something thank you uh Thank you to uh, Bill in the chat room for telling us about that. As soon as I removed the pins, see, we had too many pins. I think your article said he didn't have enough pins. Right. <laughs> so sometimes too many pins can cause problems. But, uh, you know, hey, uh, two-meter long-distance uh, DX islands over to Spain, that's a pretty good trip. But, uh, you know, I remember, hey, uh you know, as a kid, man, I, I remember here in, in near Memphis and on, on TV, uh, occasionally, this is before I became a ham, but occasionally that skip would come in here on TV and we would tune in, um, we would tune in a, uh, uh, a TV station in Cuba would be coming in like on Channel 3 or Channel 4, you know, of course, that's that's uh, 50 uh, megahertz, but um that uh, that propagation still happens up in the two meter band, and um, that's uh, that's real interesting. I've heard uh, during that uh, last really good uh, opening on two meters, the uh, six meters was wide open. I decided to listen on two meters. I could hear Puerto Rico here from uh, Alabama on two meter mm. sideband. So, uh, yeah. but it's interesting because the muff was going right through two meters. And then it would crash out. So it would be open for about 20 seconds. You could hear the noise come up, and then you hear all these stations just like 20 meters. Then it would be gone. Just whoosh, whoosh. So it yeah. was kind of interesting to see it. Well, uh, hear it going through the, the muff, go through two meters. I guess take advantage of it as it happens, because it typically doesn't it's stay around very long. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, it, VHF uh, and UHF propagation is just so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't TV Channel 6 back in the old days right on 6 meters? 
No, I think Channel, channel two, 2. Channel, no, channel two, 2 was channel uh, two. 6 meters. Or channel, and there used to be a Channel 1 channel out of one, New Zealand. Yeah. And that was on 49 megahertz, I think. And right, right. We could, I could see TV from uh, New Zealand and Australia and uh, Santa Barbara, California when yeah. the band was open yeah. on 6 meters. Yep. That was uh, that was some fun days back then. Uh, I kind of add that to my shortwave listening. The uh, the uh, listening and viewing of uh, DX on the TV, the old TV. You know where you had to get up and turn the knob on the t on the TV. You know that's before remote controls, man. Well, hey, Rich, thanks so much, man, for sharing that with us. Sorry, we had some problems in the beginning right before you, but uh, once I got the pins out of you, everything st started looking right. So. Uh, uh, feel free People to are sticking pins in me all the time. Yeah, that's, that's right, man. No uh, yeah, that's right. And and speaking of pins, guys, speaking of pins, look at this. There we go, right there, man. Now that pin, that's an awful long pin that the guy's got there in his hand. Uh, but that was me and uh, uh, on uh, I don't know a couple days ago, maybe Friday. I don't know. I've lost track of time uh, since I got this I, shot. I, since I got the shot, I don't, I don't remember much, but I think it was Friday, man. Yeah. I got my booster yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I, I, I want you guys, hey, think about it. It's, it's a personal decision whether you get your booster or not. Uh, I believe in it. I believe it um, may not be perfect, but uh, I really think it uh, will help you. It's going to help me, I hope. I just lost a good friend who is 57. He didn't have the vaccine and... Uh... Uh, after seven weeks on the ventilator, he just passed away. Oh, man, that's, that's tough. Yep, yep, that's tough. All right. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Rich, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next uh, next month. And Great. Looking forward anything, to it. Hopefully you anything, my, my voice will be back by then. Yeah, <laughs> and if you want to join us uh, in between the, now and then, uh, please, you know, come on in here and join us, you know. All right. So, so uh, Katie had trouble tonight. Everybody. Katie tried seven or eight times to get in tonight, and uh, she almost made it the last time, but uh, obviously she's dropped out now, and uh, I think their internet connection is pretty poor, and the snow they're having probably is not uh, helping a whole lot out there uh, right now. Um, so uh, a couple of things going on here uh, that... We want to talk about and we're going to open up the we're going to open up the zoom for everybody out there uh pretty early tonight so i'll open up the phone lines i'll also open up zoom where you guys can join us in, in our discussion the last half hour uh and that we'll call that the show after the show uh the last hour will be just anything ham radio related uh that you want to talk about all right i want to give you an update i want to give you an update on uh, W5KUB 101 and where we stand there. And uh, show you uh, show you a little uh, thing that happened this afternoon. So uh, I've got a video here I'm going to run. Um, Bill, I don't you probably haven't seen this, but um, let's see. There I am, standing next to, you can see my reflection off the bomb. And uh, you can see it's quite large. And uh, boy, it really held together uh, really well. The 
All the seams I put in it are holding perfectly. We did explode that today in pressure testing. We did not mean to explode it, uh, but we did explode it today. Um, let me get a did video. Did you get that on camera? You know, I thought I at least, uh, I, I thought the camera wasn't aimed at it when it exploded, but the, it wasn't running. It was in between slots. So uh, I've got a little bit before and a little bit after. So I'm going to play something here, just about a two-minute video, just kind of show you where we were. Our intention was, first of all, uh, at, at altitude, at the altitude that we want to fly, the, the, uh, the pressure is about uh, a column of water. About When you measure it with a manometer, the pressure would be about five inches. And uh, I just wanted, we took this, I, I wasn't going to try to destroy it. I just wanted to make sure it would go above five inches so it would be safe to, uh, to fly. So, um, so what happened is we started inflating it. And uh, when I got up to about eight inches, um, we had a little disaster happen. Now guys, when you look at the manometer, uh, you got to double the number. If you see a two on the tape measure, that's really four. If you see a three, that's a six, six inches of uh, water uh, column. So I'm gonna run this video here real quick and let's see if uh, uh, we, you can kind of see what we did today. Uh, let's see, I think this is gonna be it right here. Cut it off right there. Oh, so that? it just uh, a thing stretched. So Ed, we're at three inches of water. That's six inches. Mm -hmm. The thing is uh, crackling like it's on fire. Listen, Ed. You can actually hear it crackling. Yeah, you're pretty good looking here. Are we? Yeah. See, that's, good. that's good to know. The heartbeat. You hear it? Yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> I knew what's happening. It's, it's crawling out. It's, it's pulling out of here. I'm yeah. getting away from that. <laughs> You better open that garage door. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the seat through the garage door. Oh, well, okay. Let's, uh, let's, uh, I just need to let the air out of We're going to step back a minute and do some adjustments here. <laughs> okay, so we had a quite a good explosion on this one. Uh, you can see the uh, end here uh, is still on our uh, equipment. That is not a seam. Somehow it blew straight across. That is not a seam that we made. We're going to go ahead and hook this this piece back up to the uh, pressure test. We're going, to, we're going to see what 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 this uh, explodes at. Uh, the other material we tested went up to 19 uh, inches a column of water. Uh, this one was about eight when it exploded, so I'm not sure what's going on here. All right, so. Um, we had a mishap at eight inches of column of water. 
uh, that would have flown at altitude, uh, but uh, we took it one little smidget higher than, you know, if we'd stopped at seven, it'd probably been all right, but uh, at, at eight inches, it, it exploded. Now, we don't know why. Uh, I tested that same material uh, previously, and we ran it up to, it exploded at 19 inches of water column. This, this time, it exploded at eight and uh, my friend thought we should uh, we should open the garage door because if you saw where we had it fastened to our inflation tube, uh, it's really high pressure there. I mean, I had uh, a, a rubber wrapped around that. We had two uh, stainless steel hose clamps around that thing, tightened down as tight as we could, and it was still pulling out. It was still pulling out the my, mylar out from the clamp. So. Um, that's uh, uh, one of the areas that we'll be working on too. So we lost about uh, we lost about one foot of the balloon. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to I'm going to seal that bottom up and we're going to fly it. Now it's going to fly a little lower. Uh, the spreadsheet showed that was going to fly at about fifty-seven, fifty-five thousand, uh, but losing a losing at la at bottom one foot and all that capacity is is probably going to put us down about fifty thousand maybe uh if we can hit fifty thousand that'd be good the nice thing about it is that it's it's not leaking out uh, it's holding the pressure uh, I keep going out there and looking at the manometer and the manometer has not moved the uh, level is still right where it was so um we're we're doing pretty good. You saw us doing a, a, a gas test leak there. Um, so what we were using there, we uh, we actually shot some Freon in there. We shot a little bit of Freon in, and then we had a Freon detector uh, to uh, tell us where the leaks were. And uh, the only leak that we were experiencing was right there where those two uh, stainless steel hose clamps were. And uh, we finally got that tightened, I believe. Uh, none of the seams... Uh, we're leaking, uh, and the way we did the seams, if you remember, see, I've got a picture, I think, of this laying out. Uh, that's where we laid it. There's two halves right there uh, laying in the kitchen, and uh, what we did, we brought those two halves together and overlapped them. Uh, we overlapped them. We ran a piece of two-inch tape uh, all the way down the seam, and then we turned it over, and then that made... Um, that made a little flap on the back. Uh, you know, when you when you overlap that, and, and we taped that seam, and then we, when we turned it over, we had a we had a little flap like this. So we opened that flap up, and we put uh, 3M adhesive all the way down uh, that. Once it got tacky, we we folded that flap down, and man, when it sticks, it sticks. So we try to try to get it smooth and right. Uh, but once it sticks, it's as strong. It's as strong as the material itself. So we 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 glued the flap down, and then we ran another just to be safe. We ran another two-inch tape all the way down the inside. So um, we were taped on the inside and the outside, and glued uh, maybe an inch and a half wide all the way down. So our seams are doing perfect. Our seams. Uh, uh, aren't leaking. They're not pulling apart. They're looking really good. And you saw 
uh, here's one shot. We're building, we build up pretty high pressure on the, on the end there. Uh, where we're putting in the, uh, where we're putting in the, the air. Uh, that's what the other end looks like. Uh, uh, it's not bunched up into, you know, the center. Uh, I think that is actually distributing the pressure better. You can look at that end and it does not look, uh, nearly, uh, like, like this end. Uh, and this is not fully inflated either. And, uh, this is where it exploded. If you... From the filler tube, if you go up about six inches and draw a circle around, uh, that's where it popped right there. So uh, we're gonna, what we're gonna do, we're gonna seal this end, open end, and we're gonna put our feeder in the very bottom corner. Uh, it appears that we have lower pressure in the corners, and we're gonna try to uh, 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 go into the corner with uh, with the gas, and we'll seal there too. Um, that's kind of what it looked like uh, before it was totally inflated. You can see we had to use tie-down straps. Uh, those are some pretty soft uh, straps. I think we have three straps that went under the tables. There's 12 foot of table there. So we actually had um, had to hold it down because it kept, even with air, it just kept wanting to, to lift up. And there's too many dangerous things in my shop to poke it. So we wanted to make sure that we didn't puncture it. Uh, you can see the material is nice and tight right there, nice and shiny and tight. Uh, if you look between the two black um, uh, tie-downs there, you'll see one of our seams right there. And uh, it's just really smooth. And uh, uh, I, think our, I think we've got the seams down okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, let's see what we got. Oh, I uh, just put together the solar panels for it. We're going, we're going a little bit heavier in weight. Uh, uh, we, we could reduce this by about maybe three grams, uh, but um, this is only seven grams total, seven and a half grams total. And we've got two redundant sets of panels at 45 degrees. And uh, we found it when we started running, and it's winter time, so in winter time the sun does not get up very high. And we found when we were running the horizontal panels, uh, we were really disappointed. We might only get three hours, three and a half hours of tracking a day. And uh, Bill can talk more about this in a minute. But I believe that uh, for those solar panels to work, our solar panels that we used to work, we had to, the sun had to be at maybe 22 degrees or higher. Uh, so... Um, we we didn't go horizontal. We went with a a, uh, a double sided redundant uh, thing. So if you look at this, and this is what wor worked out real neat for us, we put the panels at a forty five, and uh, the last few flights that we flew with panels at forty five, uh, we were actually uh, picking up the sun and starting to operate. Uh, somewhere around two degrees below sunrise and and it operated to almost two degrees below sunset so it, it went almost from sunset to sunrise or sunrise to sunset and you can see the sun right there you know in uh, again in the summertime i mean in the winter time the the sun probably doesn't get over i don't know 40 50 degrees in uh, uh what elevation there and if you look at about 50 degrees, 45 or 50 degrees, that's that's straight into that panel. So 
Uh, they worked. Uh, they they worked very very well in, for uh, us. Go ahead, Bill. In Great Britain. Well, in Great Britain during the winter, it's only about up about thirteen degrees uh, maximum sun angle, and in the yeah. dead winter in uh, Great Britain. And Iceland's even worse. It's five or six degrees. So, so yeah. So um, if we get up north, unfortunately, it takes twice as many solar panels, uh, one for each side. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they're fairly lightweight. Yeah. Now, um, in the previous, just the flat panels, um, typically it's thirteen to fifteen percent of uh, solar angle is necessary. Uh, but the, during the dead of winter, that would limit your maximum. Uh, latitude where it would work to about 51 degrees or over Great Britain. I just yeah. had one show up over uh, uh, Fairbanks, Alaska today, and it's getting into that season where it's the sun's pretty low in Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. And it got a couple of reports right at high noon at 62 degree uh, latitude. Yeah, so, and, and, and yeah. that's, and that's, that's what... going to get worse. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what makes you not feel too good. You say, hey, you're flying and you only get 30 minutes of tracking a day because, you know, that the sun is so low. So, well, if you're way high in uh, latitude, you're only getting yeah, a yeah. little bit. Well, you know. we, we, found, we found that the two panels, you know, I mean, I, you know, if I only hit one panel at 45, you don't know which way it's going to aim. It could be aiming away from the sun, you know. So, so we had to put redundant panels in. So we got two different panels in there. And uh, I, I I played with them out in the sun. I've turned them different ways, and they pretty much have good output no matter which way they're turned. Uh, and the nice thing about it, if one if one of the little panels if one of the little panels break, uh, you got the other side that'll keep powering it because they're paralleled. You know, what are you gonna say, um, Bill? Uh, yeah, VE3KCL put some uh, light sensors on one of his payloads. To measure the rotation, and he had a pretty fancy algorithm that uh, would sample the rotation on each of the compass points on a uh, some light sensors. So, uh, and uh, he was able to determine that uh, just hanging from a balloon at fluid altitude, it was still rotating maybe once or you know once every minute or once every two minutes. It was still rotating. Uh, yeah, and sometimes it rotate clockwise and sometimes counterclockwise. But right, it never really stood completely still in one spot, which is how. If, and if that's the case, then your system will work because it never will be pointed against the sun for very long off the. Far well, end and of you know, there. and you know, with, with the super capacitors we run too, that really gives it uh, that extra uh, capacity. Even if it, even if the uh, solar panels went in the dark for a few seconds, you still have power. And, right. Uh, they give you at least thirty seconds with the yeah. super capacitors, not twenty-five yeah. seconds. You know, I found that. <laughs> To, to mount all these cells, I found in my case that styrofoam is the lightest man-made object that I can find. Now, I know you mount your two cells with a little uh, brass tube that's very light. Right. Uh, I, I found a company called Albion Metals. Uh-huh. And uh, so this is how I do mine. Let's see. Let me get you on here. I just made one on the show here. But yeah, see, yeah. I, 
It's, uh, but I'm using the flexible panels, and I have two wires soldered to the uh, positive end, and the the um, brass tubing is ultra thin. I have to specially order this from uh, Great Britain because uh, the stuff you buy at the hobby store here in town weighs three grams, and this weighs 0. 0.8 grams, and it's still pretty sturdy. And then I use Kapton tape on the back to, uh, to keep them from flipping up. But this whole assembly is pretty lightweight. But this also serves as the ground return. This is yeah. a support, but it's also the uh, ground for the salts. I, I crimp, crimp them on the end. I, I fold them over and crimp them and solder them on the end so it keeps it from, uh, from bending. It really supports it from, from uh, flipping around by doing that. So I just take about a half inch, fold it over, and solder that down onto the end of the cell, and that's the ground point, plus it also keeps it from flipping around. And this is the backup recovery system. Yeah, yeah. And see, we don't, I don't put the backup recovery system on, on mine because all mine are going to land either on a Russian uh, Air Force base or, 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 or an I- Iranian army base. That's where mine will land. <laughs> or, or, or Kim Il Jung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Korea, yeah. Or so, at the airport in Corinth. Yeah, so I, I don't, you know, hey, when I when I launch, I don't expect to get it back. I mean, it'd be cool if somebody could email me and say, hey, I found this gizmo, what is it? But uh, So uh, somebody somewhere in uh, western Tennessee has found a gizmo with a large silver balloon, and they don't know where it came from. Now, you have to look at the UFO reports Yeah, uh, northeast of you there where Dash 100 landed. Well, that's where, uh, in fact, I was stated in our uh, uh, Facebook group that uh, people suggested that I contact the local uh, police department and asked if there were any UFO reports uh, that day. Now, this thing did look like a UFO, I can tell you, when it when it left here. Uh, it, well, somebody it, it may did. have turned it into a police department, so you might want to contact the nearest town there. You think so? Well, it, but you, you don't know if this really happened, though, right? I mean, you're just you're just saying it, right? No, I mean, I have seen that happen before. Yeah, yeah. Where people report it. Um, I always put a backup, put up the my email address on it. Yeah. But I'll tell you yeah. what, in the future... If you're worried about it landing in North Korea and all those nasty places, yeah, uh, I'll but put, still giving you a backup, just put Glenn's call sign. Uh, I, yeah, you know. I was going to say I'll put yours or Glenn's on there. You know that'll that'll work. You know, you know that that that'll uh, that'll work really good. Let's see. So yeah, if the television contact you, then then you know what happened. Yeah, and if it comes back to me, I get to keep it. It's got an Arduino. Yeah, well, it does. I got it a does. GPS, an Arduino. Hey, I got more parts. It it does. Um, I was going to pull up the um, see if I can pull this up here. Yeah. By the way, there's a question in the chat room. Uh, does the uh, cold of altitude make the mylar more fragile? Well, I uh, I I don't know. I I did test our splicing and our tapes and our adhesive down to about zero i haven't taken it down really 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 low 
but it the it tape, seemed the it's, tape would be the biggest factor. The mylar itself is yeah. going to be good down to below what the temperature would be the, even cold night. And there is a point around ninety below zero where it could become more fragile. But see, the flight tests you've done have been during the day when yeah. the sun's heating it up pretty good. So uh, believe it or not, uh, a silver a reflected object does not reflect all of the solar radiation. It actually absorbs uh, quite a bit of it. Um, you know, Bill, I was surprised. I can actually see through this. Well, that that may not be a good thing. That I shows know. you that the layers are too thin. Might I, be I, too I know. Thin. I mean, in, in the kitchen with the lights on in there, bright lights on, I can actually, I could actually just really see through this. Now, of course, where you. We're using what we what we can, you know. And my, uh, you got a nice good flight out of uh, the last one, but uh, it had a catastrophic uh, failure yeah, on the way yeah. down. It uh, came down pretty quickly, I think. Uh, well, it wasn't too bad, but uh, right, we were coming right. down maybe five hundred feet per minute. But uh, so it had a hole in it somewhere. Yeah. And I think you dropped below the clouds, so you lost the solar panel, and so we lost signal before it got on the ground. But we have a fairly good idea where it is within about a three or five mile area. But I, I seriously, I would consider um, talking to somebody in the area there to see if they somebody turned one in. Well, you know, um, I'm trying to pull some up here. Here we go. Um, Looks like Facebook didn't want to cooperate with me tonight. I've actually gotten just by putting my email address on the solar panel. Yeah, I've gotten probably five to ten percent of the ones that are sent up um, are, are eventually found, particularly over the United States. Um, in fact, one I got back, and it was just uh, it was kind of interesting. See if I can find it here. Oh uh, yeah, here it is. So I got one back. It said we found your email address on a solar panel. Yep. And this is what they sent me. What's that? What did it send? Oh, the solar panel. Yeah. You uh, see that little yeah. brass tubing in that wire? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, somebody had, had probably landed in some high grass or yeah. in a bush, and somebody had either trimmed the bushes or mowed the yard, and this is the only thing left of the entire tracker. It, was it, it may be. Panel with yeah. a broken tube and broken wire. It looks like it's been chewed up pretty good. So it, yeah. this went through a lawnmower, no doubt. But it was the it was the cell that survived that had my email address on it. So I didn't get the tracker back, but I got one part of it back. Right. Well, that came from California. So here's our map of our uh, that last flight, and it went down. And I moved the um, I moved the um, recovery zone area down a little bit uh you sent us a prediction i, I think you can see my mouse here you sent a prediction and you think you thought and i had it marked here just east of the airport but somewhere it could be somewhere i think airport. right in right in here somewhere i said oh yeah. you're right here on this point that point you had it right here 
Now, see, I've moved that circle down since then because this, I, I had to circle above uh, Highway 412 up here, like right here. And you would have been right on the edge of the circle. Uh, but I revised that. It, it, it was going down 577 feet per minute. Even the last 10 minutes, it was still coming down at 577. Yeah, it was coming down at a pretty good clip. At 577. So 577 into last known altitude of 9,100 feet. It should have taken 15 more minutes to uh, hit the ground. And at well, eight, I ran that through the uh, UK high altitude prediction program based on that last yeah. report. Well, so that's what that so, showed. So the way I that's figured that. it, I figured it at, at 577 feet a minute, at 9,000 feet, we had 15 minutes left before it hit the ground. I, I'm guessing the wind, the surface wind, maybe eight miles per hour. If that's the case, it would have traveled two more miles uh, from the last point. The last point was right here. So two more miles would have made it land right here on the center line of Highway 412. So I, I moved the circle down uh, a little bit. It, I think we could be lower. Um, but uh, well, um, I will say that uh, it... Uh Basically, your um, this particular version of your software, I incorporated a ten-digit grid square in the JT9 transmission. Uh huh. Yep. In the uh, right after it sent the two whisper transmissions, it would send a one-minute JT9 uh, field, which is about twelve characters wide. So it was your call sign, and then EM55. DB. It sent six right, characters right. grid square. The second transmission sent the last uh, portions of a ten-digit grid square, and that, if we were, if the, if we're still transmitting on the ground, and you could remotely tune some internet radio and hear it, you could also listen for the JT9, and it would have told you exactly where it is within fifty feet. So that's yeah. the innovation in the latest software is the 10-digit grid square. So I'm guessing... By the way, no one does a 10-digit grid square. It's hard to do. I had to make my own rules up for the last part there. <laughs> well, and you know, another thing, we I think the ants, if you look right here, there's a there's a, uh, an airport right there. And uh, I think the ants were actually trying to make the airport. I, I honestly think they came down a little short. Uh, you had them. Well, I had one. You what? I had one that uh, I launched at an AMSAT conference from Huntsville here, Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. And uh, about four months later, I got a call from an airport manager in Chattanooga. He said, uh, we found something of yours underneath a Cessna. Yeah. Apparently, it had been hanging from a tree near the flight line, near, the, near where the tie-down area was for the small aircraft. And the storm came through and finally blew it out of the tree after three or four months, and it blew right underneath the Cessna. And yeah. I got it back. It was in perfect shape. All I had to do was uh, I'll launch it again, and I, that one went clear to Europe. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got, the, we got that airport right there we were trying to make, and uh, some of our search team has talked with the airport management and all the crop dusters and people that fly in and out of there uh, supposedly have been notified t 
to look on the ground in that circle right there as they're as they're coming in and landing and, and crossing the the runway. So, you know, maybe to be seen. I kind of think, Bill, and you know, it was it was the same configuration of this. Uh, it was the same dual uh, solar panel. I kind of have a feeling that it's down in the trees somewhere, and this is hanging pretty low down in the dark because we haven't heard anything from it. I mean, even if it landed on the ground, if it landed on the ground, you might, might still... upside down. Uh, you know, if it landed on the ground, you might still get some sun, depending on where it was turned, but... It's probably in the trees, but the cool thing is uh, I'm keep, I'm still looking for it because yep. as the leaves fall off, yeah, and it might see some sunlight again. It, this thing could start. Months. It could start transmitting here in another month or so. You know, or the wind may just blow this thing just off of a little branch where it's getting some sun, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. So, or it could do the same thing that happened at the airport with with Bill and blow itself into the clear at some point. Yeah, well, that airport up there has 450 acres. That's, yeah, uh, I think I, I honestly think it. I think we're it's inside the airport. It's pretty heavily wooded around that airport. Yeah, I think we're in the airport. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, hey, we'll be we'll be opening up the Zoom lines and the phone lines here in just a minute. Uh, oh, oh, before we switch here, uh, we put this other one together. You know, when we blew the bottom off, we're going to try to fly it, and. Uh, 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 you know, uh, so we're putting together another tracker, uh, another, uh, another solar panels, and, uh, um, we're real good at launching these things and losing them in about 30 minutes, you know, so. We, we've say, lost, do you we've have lost any a idea of, of what caused this last one to come down? Uh, it just, it sprung a leak. But we don't know where. It'd be nice to see if we can recover it. We can tell if one of the tape joints, you know, came open. Or uh, now, when we pressure tested the uh, the emergency sleeping bag uh, at 19 column inches of water, it it exploded a little two inch rip near the tape. It it did not rip on the splice. It ripped to the side of the tape. Um, uh, the tape makes it really strong. Let me show you what we're going to do next. If this one, we're going to get this one in the air. Hopefully, uh, within the next one week, we'll get it in the air. We'll see if we can keep it up there. Here's my next project. This is a two-person thermal sleeping bag. Two-person. You going to send two people up? It, yeah, um, we're going to send two people up. We need, we need volunteers. So, or, or, or twice the number of ants. That's our one big person. Yeah. So, yeah, just so this weighs this weighs in. This is this is this is a mylar again. This weighs in at only 135 grams, and this is two person. So <clears throat> this bag is already taped up, and the other bag was taped fairly good, and uh, it it held pressure, but we would retape it. But let, let's let's compare this to an SBS. An SBS is is the circumference of an SBS is 72 inches circumference. This circumference right here is 100 and um, it's 64 times 2. It's 128 inches. 
So an SBS has a circumference, a balloon circumference of 72. This has a circumference of 128. An SBS is 90 inches tall, and this is 87 inches tall. Really, really close. And that extra circumference makes that thing give you about four to five times the, the gas capacity of an SBS. Because it just, it, you know, you're just so much bigger in, di- in diameter. Uh, now, one thing you can do, Tom, to check the leakage of those is to make a small uh, balloon about the size of one of those 36-inch mylars. Maybe maybe make it a, a 40-inch yeah. one. And uh, fill it up with helium or hydrogen. And then Strike seal a match. It up. Hold a match near it. Yeah. yeah. And then... And then measure the lift each day to see if it's leaking through the material or your seam. Yeah. Well, did I get, you saw the video test. I think <laughs> it would be uh, worthy on that material because my, my concern is it might be uh, not enough layers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, and it could be, it could be, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're working with what we have and, um, so far, we haven't found a perfect thing yet. You saw us uh, test for leaks, though, with the leak detector in the video. I think if you if you were if you were watching when I ran that video, did you see that, uh, Bill? Yeah. Where we we uh, we actually had a detector. We couldn't find any leaks with the detector anywhere on the seams or anywhere around it, except where we had two steel hose clamps tightened down. That's where we were getting our leak. And um, so that's what we're gonna be working on right there. Hey, Tom, is there a way to bring up the chat room all by itself yeah. without having to go? Yeah, you can. Uh, are you on W5KUB.com? I'm just logging onto it now. But if you if you look on my page, W5KUB.com, and look below the chat room, you'll see a link that says open chat room. And, uh, or I, I tell you what you can do. You can grab the tab with your mouse. Grab the tab up there and pull it down, and that'll make its own window. And then you wait can, a minute on, uh, on the live video. Okay. Well, wait, wait. You you've got the chat open, right? You got the chat open, um, right? Or not? No, I don't want. Okay, I've got a link down here that it will open it as a um, in its own window, or if you already have it opened up uh, in a tab, you can actually. Where, grab, where is the Where is the link? Look below. Look below where it says sign in. I see live video and chat. Uh, oh. Try this. Rather than that, just go to web.libera.chat slash pound W5KUB. Yeah, I mean, that'll, that'll work, too. That'll open. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, which which route are you going? What was that again? Uh, what was that again? Web.libera, L-I-B-E-R-A, dot chat. Oh, all right. Slash pound W5KUB. Now that's going to open it in a new tab. In a tab. You can tell I'm old school. It's pound I'm instead of hashtag. Just say that. A hashtag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's pound it's a sign. pound sign to me. I'm it's a pound sign era. for me. Hey, I saw a com- I... I saw a commercial today where you know they tell you Dallas phone number, 
and they said pound whatever. So the, the guy must be an old guy that wrote the wrote the thing. All right. It's yeah. pound sign for me too. All right. Have you got it up here yet, Bill? Have you got the chat room up? Yes. Yes. Okay. I do. It, it, now, did you open it? It's in another tab, right? It's in another tab. Right. So look, grab that tab at the top with your mouse and pull it down, and it'll make that a separate window. Did did it make it a separate window? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, you grabbed the tab and pulled it down. Or you can right click and tell it to move to yeah. another window. Just 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 click on the oh, okay. click on the tab and slide it down, and then you can resize it. And if you've got two monitors, you can move it and put it on a second monitor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Well, now then, I can put it. I only have one monitor, so now I can put everything. You can size yeah. it like a half a screen, and you can size the video half right. a screen. You can pop the video out half a screen. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with everybody. Uh, don't go away. Home. ICOM has a perfect base station ready for action. The IC9700, the 7610, and the 7300 SDR transceivers are top of the line and are the first choice for contesters across the globe. Robust base stations like these cut through the pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Stay connected remotely with the RSBA1 app to keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. Heard it, worked it, and logged it. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled. With faster processors, high input gain, high display resolution, and a cleaner signal, it's truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. The SDR that every ham wants is the IC7610. This high-performance SDR can pick out the faintest of signals even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The 7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio, and it will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. Create your own band openings with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. It has faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. Visit www.icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radios. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. All right, so we're back. And uh, again, this, uh, this, is, this program is uh, amateur radio. It's about ham radio and all the different facets of ham radio and what we do. And tonight we've discussed uh, one little part uh, where we're flying, we're trying to fly balloons around the world. And some people are really successful and some are, haven't made it yet. Uh, we're kind of down toward the bottom end. We've made it around a few times and stayed up 70-something days uh, on our best flight. 
And uh, But what we've been doing lately is experimenting to try to build our own balloon and get an envelope that will take us uh, up higher than um, well, what else is readily available out there at, at a, you know, at a reasonable cost. Anyway, uh, let's go. Uh, let's jump over with Glenn real quick before we open the Zoom. Uh, Glenn, I think you had something you wanted to show us. Yeah, I just got in this in the other day. Uh, just a couple of bucks on eBay. You know, I got that Simpson 260 yeah. a while back. Yeah. And uh, I do a lot of stuff where, you know, I'm one person here and. The probes keep slipping and falling off if you, when you use the, the pointed probes. Right. Well, this has the meter leads, but the banana plugs can be different sizes, so it will work with just about any meter. Yeah. And then the probe bodies themselves had a threaded tip uh, that you can screw the leads into, and then you can either use an alligator clip, the spade lugs, or the pointed tips at the other end of the probe. So you can mix and match your scope pro or your meter probes as you need them using this little set. Costs just about eight bucks off eBay, I think. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's cool, and uh, I think I've got a couple uh, leads around at the end, screw on like the the alligator clip screws on the end or something. Yeah, I like the idea of the threaded ends and the yeah. banana clips and things of that nature. It's real handy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, let me, uh, I'm going to post the uh, link uh, in the chat room here, and I think this is the link. Let's see. I think that's it. Bam. Okay. Uh, if uh, everybody will, uh, you know, click on that link, that'll bring you right into uh, our, our Zoom meeting, and we'd love to have you join us, and uh, let's see how many people we can get in Zoom tonight. We're about 9.13. we got about 45 more minutes of the show. Let's see how long it'll take our first person to get in here. Now, I don't know. Bill seemed to always have a little problem clicking in. He 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 kept talking about he needed a password, but you don't. If you click that link, it should bring you right in. So let's see if, if here we go. Here we go. We got Carlos. We got Charlie. He's coming in down in Uruguay. So he's our first first person tonight. Hello, Carlos. Wow, he got in faster than Katie. Let me say, como esta usted? Here. Hello. 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 How are you all? Hola. Hola. Let's speak Hola. tonight. See. Uh, uh, como esta usted la noche? <laughs> <laughs> Muy bien, gracias. Uh, okay. All right. That's with a southern accent and probably not grammar collect. Uh, pr- um, Correct, but anyway, I tried. Yeah, if you had to order dinner in a Spanish country, you'd probably starve. Oh, I can order a dinner. Uh, <laughs> Point at the menu, maybe. You know, me, me como hamburguesa, sin queso, y papa fritas, y Coca-Cola grande, uh, McDonald's, Burger King, and all that. It's the same yeah. in everywhere. Yeah. So. Did, did I get that right, uh, Carlos? Did I get that right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. We got Bill there. I bet you he got in without a password tonight. Let's see. Let me click on him. Let's see if he did it tonight. All right. I'm hoping. Come on in, Bill. 
I think you can do it, Bill. He got this far. He's going to make it in. Yeah. Let's see if I can get my picture on Assuming you can see the window that you have to click to finish up getting into the Let's see. Yeah, let's see. There I am. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. There he is. There. There's Bill. Is that Bill? Bill's there? That's Bill. Now, Bill, you didn't use a password tonight, did you? You're muted, Bill. Oh, man, he needs a microphone now. We can't. I updated my Zoom this morning. Ah, okay. okay. Yeah. Because I have a test session tomorrow night. Okay. And... <laughs> I just I just go and get your get your um the number your meeting number and I put it in and then I go and I get the password and put the password in and I come in okay okay normally normally there is a six digit number for a password okay. Not if you use Not the link. Not if you use the link. Oh, I know, yeah. Glenn. I mean, oh, yeah. look at that. She's playing frisky tonight, I see, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Told you she'd be back. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, welcome, man. Hey, are you getting any bad weather up there? Any of this rain hitting you yet? Or is it not uh, too? I'll, I'll tell you what, Tom. Two and a half hours north of me, they yeah. got almost uh, four inches of snow. Oh, wow. And we have the same, I guess you'd say, weather that Alan has. It's called a Northeaster. Yeah. And um, it, it blew my trash barrel across the street. Mm. It's been raining like uh, I don't know what. I'm going to have to go down and check my cellar here in a little bit and see if I have to put the uh, the pump on and uh, send it down the driveway. <laughs> Bill, uh I I am impressed to hear a New Englander say Northeaster. Yeah, I know. I was thinking Nor'easter. <laughs> well, I've been out of New England for quite a while, Bill. So, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. I may have lost the twang. <laughs> I'm not sure you I'm even allowed say, in New England. <laughs> you might actually say New Hampshire instead of New Hampshire. <laughs> well, you know. I try to I try to enunciate my words here very clearly. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna put that link in here again. Okay, come on, we need some more people to join us. Let's get some new people in here tonight that may have not joined before. But there's the link. Click on that link and join us on Amateur Radio Roundtable. And uh, we'd love to hear your experiences about ham radio and what you're doing down there or up there. Well, Mike or, just or checked in, so he'll probably join us. Uh, Tom, I wanted to mention that um, the Jamboree on the Air event that happened a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. they, they sent up a balloon, and it's one day away from completing its first lap. That's good. W9 Whiskey Whiskey Italy-12, I believe. Yeah. I was just trying to look it up here, but uh, it's over in Nebraska right now. So well, that's, uh, that's cool. That's exciting. Probably coming over to your house here. Yeah, that's exciting, and uh, this is a good time to fly in the winter time, and uh, uh, they're probably going to make it maybe a couple of times. What kind of balloon was it? An SBS balloon, or maybe an SBS yeah. and one of my APRS uh, Sky Tracker. Yeah. 
Well, on the path that it's taken, uh, has it been out of uh, range uh, quite a bit across uh, Asia or anything? Or uh, surprisingly, not too bad. It uh, it uh, had good coverage across Europe. Uh, okay, so it went across then, Europe. Uh, it went across Europe, and I guess there's APRS stations there. Oh yeah, and then then it went across Turkey, and it looked like. Uh, there was some GPS jamming going on because yeah. uh, the uh, I've noticed in that region of the world um, the GPS gets jammed. Yep. yep. And then the next thing, cut uh, two days later, it showed up over China and Japan. Yeah. And it didn't take long to go across the Pacific. It was in the Pacific Northwest about about three days after it was in Japan. So uh, there, this is the time of year to you really start going around the world quick. Okay, so Bill, um, I need you to help me here on your your firmware that we're going to fly. I need a pin. Let's see, there's Dwayne. I need a pin. Uh, that now you better talk to Rich. <laughs> I got I, an article. Yeah, yeah. About I, that. I need a I need a pin that will go high. Uh, when we get, let's say, when we get over North Korea, anytime we go over North Korea, I want that pin to go high. Okay. And I, uh, Bob is, uh, I've got a little blasting cap that Bob sent me uh, for a balloon. And uh, I can send a little voltage at blasting cap and it will cut a fishing line. And uh, I can drop uh, something. And uh, I thought I'd You're drop. You're going to drop Glenn's QSL card? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to drop his QSL card over North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say leaflets, but. Yeah. Hey, all I got to do is get one response, and I got it in the log. There you go. Yeah, uh, I, I see a comment here. Mark says, Mike uh, Hojanowski posted. Is, is Mike in our room? Is he in our chat room tonight? Yeah, Mike's is there, KE8IL. No, oh, that's no. KE8IL? KE8IL, is that... K-E-8-I-L, the guy that lives in Uber. No, no, that's not him. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Mike, and I can't... Uh, Hoj... Uh, no, uh, Honowski. Uh, no. He's a big balloon guy. Is Mike, are you in the, uh, are you in the uh, chat room tonight somewhere? Uh, Mark uh, just posted that for um, oh, okay. Mike. But basically, they're, uh, they launched one for uh, high school. Uh-huh. In Pittsfield and at uh, Pittsford, uh near New York State, and uh, that's an SBS thirteen, and he's got his own Whisper tracker and, uh-huh. that he designed, and it's been around the world eight times. So they launched it in May. That's uh, that's pretty good. Eight eight two F O U dash eleven, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're taking and a it's big way up there. It's near. Uh, it's just east to the Hudson Hudson Bay. Yeah, well, I've got an SBS here in the closet that we could fly, and it would probably stay up there. But we're, we're taking a big chance to experiment and try to get one of our own to stay in the air, and that's kind of where we're focusing right now. It's as long as you've got uh, microcontroller chips, um, when yeah. you run out, you'll have to talk to Glenn. He'll probably charge it ten times the normal price because I don't think I've got chips though. Well you talking about the uh, you talking about the three twenty eight P's or Yeah you can't buy them anywhere. They're, they're you know, I've got about five three twenty eight P's but they're the large 
I may have I may have as many as ten I bought from Alley uh, a while back. Now I don't know well, if they're really... they're worth their weight in gold right now. Are they? I don't have any surface control. mount stuff. Gee. Well, I've got a few. I don't know if they're if they're just uh, empty inside or if they're real. Uh, I I think the I think I've used one before and it worked. Hey, Bill, I sent you an email about the uh, U-Block Seven uh, C uh, GPS. Uh, my reading says it's the same software in the same footprint as the AQ or the Max or whatever. It is. It is. The, there's only the only difference is that uh, it's a lower Q, voltage, isn't it? No, the Q. Uh, well, yeah, the C will work at lower voltage. Yeah, because the Q versions have a TCX reference to the GPS. Okay. The C can tend at cold temperatures not to track as well. So uh, my, my question is, that my question is. Well. My question is, with our firmware, can I just drop it right in? Will it work okay? Yes, uh, but, um, and I think I've got it in there, uh, you have to turn off the, uh, you have to make it just the GPS constellation only. Because oh, the 8 also includes uh, all the other, all the other uh, constellations in it draws about five or six milliamps more current uh, okay well it works with the china baidu system and you know and all the russian system uh, but there's a command you can send it to just do the u.s gps and what, what if i don't make any firmware change at all will it work you're you're saying using the q yes it will work this i'm talking about the 7c Oh, the seven C. Because we've been That's flying, we've been flying. I think we've been flying the eight Qs, the M eight Qs. Actually, you've been flying the seven Cs for a lot really? uh, of your flights. Really. And then we had to go to the eight Q because you can't buy the seven Cs anymore or the seven Qs. They're hard. Uh, 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 well, I may need to check my stock. I may have a couple seven Cs. Okay. The seven C works very well. Uh, so actually, the Q draws a little less current once you set it up. You send that one command to it. I'll look in the code and Seven see if I send that command. Let me go have a peek. Um, I just bought 100 uh, 8Qs on a surplus house uh, purchase because they have dried up as well. You cannot buy GPS modules on the standard channels. The parts distribution is really messed up all right and they I, won't tell you they usually tell you a date when something's going to come in like a month or two from now there'll be a bunch coming in this time there's no date and i called somebody and they says well we don't know it could be six months could be a year before we get microcontrollers or gps modules in okay so hey bill uh we've been, i've been flying the eight the m8c's Okay. Right. Okay. Now, and so I've got, I, and I think I got another one to build up, but I've got some sevens. And seven, the seven works, work, will work great. Okay. But I, I have to make a change or not? No change. Okay. All right. Good. Now, uh, another thing, uh, uh, the resonator we've got in here, the resonator is a four meg resonator. Right. 
Uh, I've got some eight meg resonators. Is is that is that an issue to just change that in the code or? Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, is, is that a major problem, or just change change the code from four to eight? Uh, you would have to uh, change quite a few things in your compiler. Your IDE has some special commands that he had you go through. Uh, that Edward had you go through to okay. change it to four. Well, eggs. I'm not planning on doing that right now. I bought those. I was planning on building up a BSS board, but right. Uh, well, the, the standard uh, usually it's designed for eight megahertz. Yeah, <laughs> it's designed for eight megahertz. Yeah, but Edward had to do a few th special things. Uh, in the uh, configuration files of the Arduino IDE to make it work with the 4 megahertz clock. Yeah, okay. All right, who else we got joined us here? We have... Uh, I've got 8Ns. You got a what? An 8N as in Nancy. An 8 Nancy. That is, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's probably the same. Uh, uh, hard to see. I think it's the same footprint now, whether or not, you know, I mean, well, maybe not. Now, that, is that on a board? Yeah. It's on a board. I'm, we, we, we've got just the GPS itself. Is that itself. the Neo? The Neo 8N. <clears throat> right, right. That's that's not going to work on your board. I mean, I, I got a All right, so uh, I have a question. What, what are these chips that you're asking for? A 7C and 8C? That's a GPS module. It's a U-block GPS module. Yeah, I picked up. Right, what is the 32C? A 32C? I don't know about that one. Well, did, didn't you say there was a 32C? No. No, that was an Atmel 328P. 328P. The, the microcontroller. And microcontrollers are, um, you just can't get them. <laughs> well, I'm going to try, I'm going to call the do-it-yourself do electronics up here and see if they carry it. Well, yeah, yeah, the full part number is AT, AT Mega 328P. Yeah, here's the, uh, Bill, here's the, um, here's the GPS. Let's see. It's in a bubble wrap, but you can see it there. Little, little square. <laughs> I put it in the chat room. Yeah. Well, well, I have a hundred of the M8Qs I just got in. I have two of the 328Ps in a dip configuration. But they're the full-size monsters. Right. Yeah. I have a couple of those, too. These yeah. are the 44-pin quad flat QF. Yeah. I've got it in my pack. notes to order a 7C. For some reason, I was going to play with the 7C. Yep, good luck. All it right. Stock. Well, a, I have uh, enough on the desk to keep me going for a little while. Yep. I'll tell you guys, Christmas is coming up. No and kidding. Christmas is coming up, and Kathy's asking me what I want for Christmas. I keep telling her, I want, I want, I want, I want a new radio. I want a new radio, but I can't find any radio I want, you know. 
I can't find nothing I want. Didn't you say in Huntsville that you wanted an IC seventy seven? No, no, that wasn't me, huh? That wasn't that was not me. Uh, what is a seventy? What is a seventy seven hundred? That just an HF rig? Oh, Kathy's listening. Anyway. Uh oh. Yeah, I was going to say, Tom, anything that starts with FTDX would probably work. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, hey, uh, uh, you Earl, were uh, wanting some sort of uh, power amplifier. I you know, I was going to order. Yeah. I was going to order that. Uh, what is it? Miracle. Three thousand dollar one. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to order that one, and 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 and, and I, I didn't like the customer service. I contacted them. I, you know, I asked them. You know, when it when I could place the order or something, and he said, I got back his note. I didn't like the note, but basically. The second time around, he told me, uh, "Yeah, send, you know, send me twelve hundred dollars, and then of course it'd be twelve hundred dollars when you, when we finish it, and you're looking at six to seven months delivery time." So that's probably because they have a parts distribution. Yeah, I'm sure. Here. I'm sure. Probably is. I mean, all of the but, parts are sitting offshore in a container ship. But yeah. you know, you know, I've got two amplifiers over here. I got a, th- a three days five hundred amp over here, and I've got a. I've got a full legal limit alpha amp sitting here that'll run a full legal limit with a key down for 45 days. And uh, I don't need anything. I think that should do it. Is that the one with the brick on the key? Yeah, that's the one with the brick on the key. And, you yeah. know, I don't need, I, I don't, I don't, you know. Wasn't it the old Henry amps that had that? It, it may have been. It, it may have been. This uh, alpha, this alpha actually. Alpha. Yeah, this alpha actually. It's continuous uh, from uh, 3.5 or about 2 to about 30 megs. In between the bands, you got 80 and then you got A. Then you got 40 and you got B, you know. You, you know, so it's, it's continuous range all the way uh, uh, on that band switch down to, uh, let's see, we got Tim joining us. Okay. So I, you know, I don't need another amp. So I, I don't know. I thought, hey, maybe I ought to try a flex out, but I don't know. I don't need it. I don't really have room on the t- my workbench. I mean, my HF to put it. We got Tim in here. Tim WB eight H R O. And uh, thank you, Tim, well, for you. joining us. Giga Parts has a really nice package. They call it the. Uh FTDX 101 MP Max package. Yeah. And yeah, it's I have the, an FTDX 560 uh, you can have for Christmas. No, 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 no. That, that MP will be on my desk for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. We'll wait. <laughs> well, all I need is for you guys to buy a lot more of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe you can get a buck more if you autograph them. Send you know. them to me. I'll sign them and send them back. I'll even pay postage. Yeah. You're on. All right. <laughs> I won't have to chase you around Dayton to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, looks like I'm also going to be going to St. Louis. Uh, in January 21st, the Friday one-day ham fest in uh, St. Louis area. And it uh, looks like I'm going to be doing an Arduino forum up there. 
So yeah. my travel well, plans good. are coming together. Well, good. Hey, uh, are starting back. I was reading. I was reading. Um, Mark here in the chat room says, "Does anyone want to offer up some bucks for some four CX two thousand A tubes?" They're you know, twenty thousand. Twenty is that twenty thousand? Yeah. You know the tubes in this Alpha are three three CX eight hundreds. So it's getting easier to get new old stock ceramic tubes for yeah. the old uh, amplifiers than uh, cheap semiconductor. Yeah, it's getting, uh, well, yeah, if you got the money. Easier. For instance, these yeah. two tubes in this alpha amplifier, if I want to replace those two tubes right now, they're running about 500 bucks a piece. So two tubes would be $1,000. But you know what? These tubes are putting out full out. I, I don't know if they've ever been changed in there. I, I got this used. But they're putting out uh, full power. Uh, all the reading I've read about this amplifier, people have run them for, you know, 15 years, 20 years, and have never changed the tubes in them. And it's very well protected for SWR and uh, uh, over uh, grid current and all those kind of things. So it's a pretty good amp. So I, I guess I don't need an amp, another amp. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, people send me a suggestion on what to get for Christmas. And I'll pass that along to Kathy. She's actually, Kathy's actually in the chat room. So send me uh, an idea about what Kathy could get me for Christmas uh, for Ham Radio. Well, Kathy's listening, so you better watch out. That's right. She's in here. Just <laughs> shoot her a note right there in the chat room. And, uh, and, well, you know, uh, at the rate you're growing, probably a, uh, a couple large bottles of hydrogen. Yeah, well... Probably that's work. just uh, that, that's just normal day-to-day -day usage around here, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, you know. Sorry, sorry, Tom. I, I don't even want to ask, but maybe you already talked about it, but I, I wasn't present. What happened to the dashed 100 balloon? Well, it went down over in Tennessee. It developed a uh, a leak, and it came oh. down. It came down at about 500 feet. Per minute, and uh, we've got a search party looking for it over there. I mean, we got people looking. It, it almost landed at an airport. I mean, let me put. I'll throw there, and, and it may have. There's, hey, there's the, uh, there, there it is. You can see the airport right there, and, and I think it's in that circle, uh, right there, yeah. over in, over in Tennessee. Uh, the ants were trying. They were they were trying their best to make it to the airport, but I, I actually I think they came up short. I think they actually landed there on, uh, near the highway. Yeah, I've been out in that area. That that's heavily wooded around that airport. Yeah. Chance for for it to be transmitting, it's it's, it's not it's, transmitting. Uh, um, it, it's not transmitting anymore. So it's probably in the shade. Or maybe it's transmitting, but. But well, the antenna is... Yeah, it may be down. on the ground. Yeah, that's true. It could be transmitting. Yep. Carlos, on this particular one, I had two JT9 transmissions after the two Whisper transmissions, which gives you a 10-digit grid square, which puts you within 50 feet if we were able to copy that. Unfortunately, it's not transmitting. But if it does come on, we'll know exactly where it is if we can copy that JT9 uh, transmission. And Tim, it looks like somebody's trying to beam into your shack. You've got uh, all kinds of weird reflections there. It looks like somebody's trying to beam in there. 
Where's well, that? He's just coming in from an alternate dimension. Oh, that's what it is. Let's okay. see. Yeah. Uh, video chassis balloon. I want to check something here. See if we can zoom in here a little bit. It's a multiverse. <laughs> One hour. Okay. So let me go satellite view here. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a guessing game here on where it is. Let me go satellite view. Okay, that's the last known position right there. And it was still how many feet up? Nine thousand. That was at ninety one hundred feet. Ninety one hundred. And if you look straight ahead, there's an airport right there. We were we were heading for the airport. I I, I don't know if we made it to the airport. I, I'm guessing it was it's down somewhere around 412, right in here, this area, right here. Well, so, what about the the wind on the lower? End? Well, I, I just I, I I failed to find out what the wind was. Uh, I checked it a few days later, and it was like eight miles per hour. You know, not much. So I did a prediction, uh, Carlos, and it showed it. Um, just east of the airport runway, plus or minus a little bit. Bill, you showed it that little point, that little point right here. Yeah. You showed it right in that little clear spot right there. Is where you're showing. So, where uh, you showed the it. university students here uh, launched K4 UAH-15 over the weekend, and it landed in a Martin Marietta Martin Marietta stone quarry. I'm wondering just exactly what kind of material they are mining out of that if it's martin marietta <laughs> i don't know but i i once landed a balloon in new hampshire did i say that right bill new hampshire yeah you did man <laughs> i lived in new hampshire and uh, okay beautiful. <laughs> new hampshire when i worked for wayne green and we launched a balloon there was no gps on it but it was a simplex repeater. You talk to it, and it sends a signal back. And so it it was during field day, and it landed near Nashua. And I drove down one road, and all of a sudden it was a big signal. Then 100 feet later, it was gone. I drove down another road about a mile to the east, big signal, then it was gone. It was the weirdest thing. It was two fans of RF two narrow bands of RF. So it was right around dusk, getting dark. I had my DF equipment out trying to home in on it when I noticed that the next step I was about to take looked very black. The ground looked very black. Whoa. And I decided not to put my foot down in that black area. I said, I better go back and get a flashlight because this doesn't look good. So I went back to my car got my flashlight and walked back to where that edge of blackness occurred. And it was an 80 foot cliff in a stone core. Yeah. That would and have probably done a little more damage to you than shopping carts. Yeah. <laughs> so then I found the access road and it was right in the very bottom of an 80 foot deep stone quarry. And the signal was coming up the access road access ramps. Wow. And that was the only signal coming out where the access roads were 
to go down into the quarry. But 80 feet below ground, and I could still pick it up from a, like wow. a half mile away. And I got it back, and which is great because they were it was heavily forested. It would have been high up in a tree, but it was an easy recovery at the bottom of the stone quarry. But that was well, that you was a gone back for the flashlight. You would have been able to find it about 15 minutes earlier. <laughs> <laughs> they would have found me and the pair together. Yeah, two and one. <laughs> To deal. Hey Tom, for your yeah. new balloon, um, yeah. since you had a problem with the gas intake, have you considered building any alternate kind of gas intake? You know, I so was you thinking about stealing the valve out of a football. Out of what? That in. Out of a what? Out of a football or a basketball, you know, the On needle valve. That takes forever thing. to fill, though. Well, uh, yeah, and that would weigh a lot. Yeah, but it won't leak. Well, I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not sure I have a leak. I had an explosion. Once you pull the plug, it's not going to mm. leak while you close it, tie it, seal it. It'll I be think sealed. moving, that one that we blew up, uh, I fit it right in the center uh, across the bottom. You saw it was bunched together. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to seal that bottom up, and I'm going to move the fill over to the very, uh, say, right corner. side, right side at the corner. Uh, the pressure seems to be much lower at the corner right there, and I don't have to bunch up quite as much material there. I can, and, and I can bunch it up really tight, tie wrap it really tight. I can fold it back and then tie wrap it again. Uh, that seems to do uh, fairly good, I think. That's what um, I was thinking about, was yeah. going to one of those corners so that you could get a nice flat seam across the bottom. Yeah, yeah. So that's what that's the next step is to put a flat seam across there. You know, we're okay. talking about, hey, we are talking about tubes a while ago. I, that reminds me, uh, um, Alan Weiner up at WBCQ, he was talking the other day. You know, they just built that new transmitter that he has on 9330. And probably uh, the largest shortwave antenna in the Americas. If you've ever seen this thing, it's a rotatable. Things like 25 dB gain, it's rotatable. But uh, uh, it'll run 500,000 watts. And, uh, hey, the night he was on the show here, we were, we were testing that new transmitter. And uh, we were running low power. He was running only 100,000 watts on the big antenna. And uh, we had people in Australia in a chat room listening to us down in Australia uh, that night. But th what I was going to mention was um, he was talking about the tube that goes in there. The tube cost $250,000. A quarter of a million for the tube. Man. Well, you try to squeeze all the goody out of those you can. That's right, man. Bad. That's right. Run well, up at half filament voltage. Let me, I, you know, I might talk line. to him. Maybe I can get a pullout. When it gets a little weak, maybe <laughs> I can get it from him and build up an amp here with it. Of course, I'll need something like 100,000 volts at, at a few amps to go on it. Um, I don't know. It may not be worth it. Call TVA. They'll hook you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, when, I I was, got, when I was a I novice, when I was a novice, job, yeah. I'm sure I can get you hooked up. When I was a novice, uh, there was uh, this general class in my little town of 900 people, and uh, he was a home brewer, and he built amplifiers. And 
I'd go over there and I'd see them, you know, the big gas uh, uh, tube. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if it was rectifier. I think they were rectifiers. They may have been uh, uh, regulators, but both. Anyway, uh, he used a pole pig in, in, for a transformer. And if you don't know what a pole pig is, it's, you know the transformer out on your, out on your uh, pole? You know, that's down in a bucket with oil around it. And if you take that transformer out of there, it's a little smaller, but it still probably weighs, you know, you know, 80 pounds. Anyway, so let's just say you got 7,000 volts up there, and it comes out 220, you know. So you just take that pole pig transformer, and you put 220 in, and you get 7,000 volts out. And uh, he ran a pole pig, and he had like five or six or eight kids, little kids running around the house all the time, and he had that thing sitting there right by his desk, that pole pig and all the cables and wires coming up and stuff. And I don't know how they survived it over there, man. Mm. We had a giant bug zapper in the room. Yeah. It'd be more than a bug zapper. <laughs> when I was in high school, we had one of those in the electricity class I was in that the local electric co-op gave us. Little did we know that it was full of PCB oil. Yeah, yeah, nobody knew about PCBs back then, but I'll tell you that was great penetrating oil. <laughs> yeah, and you know, PCB you know, if you've got oil. if you've got a an old cantina, an old Heathkit cantina, the bucket, the gallon bucket, people they they used to put the uh, the oil in there that had PCB or whatever, yeah. and uh, same stuff. And now I think uh, I don't know, I, I think you just use mineral oil or something like that in them. Uh, Something like that. Let's uh, let's uh, just make an announcement real quick um, to uh, all of our guests out there listening on WBCQ seventy four ninety. This is Amateur Radio Roundtables, a show about ham radio, and uh, we're just having a good time tonight talking about a lot of different things. And uh, we appreciate you joining us on the show tonight. If you're listening out there on shortwave, please send us an email to Tom at W5KUB.com, Tom at W5KiloUniformBravo.com. Tell us where you are and give us a signal report. Love to hear from you. All right, do we have uh, anybody else join us here? I don't see anybody else. Let's see, maybe. Who we got? Yeah, I thought I'd say something anyway. There we go. We've got, we got, we got Mike in here. Hey, Mike. Yeah, and just listen, you guys go back and forth a bunch of balloons and stuff, and then involved. So just yeah, a whole lot of comments. So I just sit here and listen, take it in. I missed the whole show again as usual, but uh, jump in for now. I have to watch it on repeat, or as we say, on Memorex. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to adjust the camera here because uh, I've got all you got. You're kind of off the picture. Let me do that. Let me do that. Let me bring you over like this. That should bring you back. There we go. That's much better. All right. Oh, so yeah, how, how there, how's right? things going up here, Mike? You had any major snows or anything? How oh, come everybody, you guys down there, just assume we get snow automatically? Well, well not yet. But it'll be not yet, way. huh? Well, yeah. You know. I'll be getting the snowblower on next week. I'll do what I call my dry run up and down the driveway. Make sure it's all fired up, ready to go. Put it in the oh, back in, pull it into the garage. So it's as I call it, in the ready position. So when the flakes come down, we can clear them. All right, man. Hey, are you still riding your motorcycle? 
I haven't had a bike in about five years. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Well, and you just decide that uh, it's better not to have one, or what, what happened? Uh, I rode a motorcycle from the time I was 15, 16. Uh, when I was on the police department, I rode on duty on, on a bike carrying. So uh, my goal wing, the last one I had, was getting old, and I figured it was time, time to sell it. And I said, oh, if I ever want another motorcycle, there's one for sale somewhere. But I, I guess I'm pretty well set with not having a bike anymore. Yeah, most of my friends that had motorcycles uh, have, I don't know if they've learned or basically decided that probably it's better that they don't, that, that they don't keep riding them because sooner or later, you know. There I am. Yeah, I see that. That's, that's cool, man. Now, you know, it'd be much cooler if you'd had a sidecar on there, you know. Yeah, that was in my former life. So did you actually actually chase people in that thing like speeders? Oh yeah, and did the full full duty on it just as yeah. it was in the car. Oh wow, man! Well, that's yeah. kind of cool, man. Um, you just had to be real careful when I went with lights and sirens to an event because people are used to watching for a fire truck or a police car or uh, ambulance or something and. They're not watching for a motorcycle going through a license siren, so I had to be real careful when I approached the intersection that I had to get through that I made sure everybody looked, saw that I'm there. So. All right. I guess uh, probably being on one that long, you had to lay it down a couple times? Well, I've laid it down, but really, really not while I was moving. I... <laughs> It's the old kickstand getting get didn't get put all the way down. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Over inside. I've had the I've I've been on motorcycles. Where I've almost had to lay it down. i mm -hmm. uh, I had one guy pull it in front of me on my own bike. Uh, and I'm, I uh, I was ready to lay it down. I was already standing up on the pegs with my leg out. If it went went down, I was going to be on top of it. Luckily, it wasn't in a high speed traffic area, but uh, I kept it up. But, uh, yeah, that's the other joys of a motorcycle, right? Yeah. Well, I had a, I had one. I rode it out. I didn't ride it on a highway. I rode it out in the fields and places like that. And it's kind of neat. You know, at night you get out there in those cotton fields and put that, put that headlight on and go out there, and those rabbits start running out there, and you start chasing those rabbits, you know, on that motorcycle. Yeah, but you can't ride 100 miles an hour. In, well, in the I, I found out you can't even ride 30 miles an hour sometimes, or you go over the handlebars. Yeah, I've been out on that bike, especially uh, that bike over 100 miles an hour on the road. Especially in a cotton field, you're gonna at some point, you know, you might go over the handlebars. You know, you know I was reading. You know, speaking about rabbits and stuff, I was reading an article today talking about how because of the lack of ammunition and hunting that they are predicting that one in 57 cars on Mississippi highways will be attacked by a deer this year. Yeah, hey, I got attacked by a deer. It about wiped my pickup truck out, man. One in 57. Jeez. Well, we just, we I just had a deer. Uh, <laughs> I was driving down a little country highway here, and all of a sudden I saw a five-point antler right in front of my windshield. Oof. It had hit the front of my... Uh, 
headlight and rolled up and bounced, fortunately bounced off. And I didn't, he was alive. He headed off into the woods, but just boom. And well, it, I hit a few of them in my car. I did a lot of damage to the insurance. car. Yeah. Well, you and know, I go into, into the insurance and turn them in. Well, up here in the Upper Peninsula, we're all called Euchers, Y O O P E R, Euchers, the way they call them. Called the insurance company up and I said, I got a, a Uber accident report. And they said, Oh, where'd you hit your deer? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we've got them all, even in my little town here, they're all, they're all in my backyard. They're running down my street. They're everywhere. And the one I hit, uh, a year or so ago, I was driving about probably about thirty-five miles an hour. I didn't even see it come out of. The, I didn't see it come out, man. I I didn't know if I'd hit a person or what until I saw the little hair and it, you know, kind of come above the hood there. But man, I mean, you know, it's amazing how how vehicles now get damaged so much with so little. This was probably yeah. a, a mid-sized deer, and then it took you out. It made a. I, I, it took out my my radiator. It took out the air conditioner, evaporator coil. Uh, it yeah. bent part of the front frame. It took out the grill. Uh, it did something to the lights. Man, there's it, nothing worse. The thing you than don't, you don't want to hit up here is a moose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, and there's oh. nothing worse than driving over an armadillo because <laughs> when you drive over them, they go up. They jump up. Yeah. If they just stayed where they were, they'd be fine. But they jump up, and you hear this horrible crunching sound mm-hmm. underneath your car. I've seen. I've hey, listen. I've better. seen videos. I've seen videos where the deer or whatever, you know, jump like over the road, and they come through the windshield, and they come inside the car with you. Yeah, I got one better for you. Down in Florida, um, used to work at Pratt Whitney Aircraft Government Research. And there's a five-mile stretch of Everglades Road from the manufacturing building down to the test areas. And gators were always crossing the road. And one of my buddies uh, decided to take on a gator with his AMC Pacer. Uh, the Pacer completely lost. Yeah. <laughs> the gator literally ripped the whole underside of that car out. Did all the glass pop out of it? And then, then he was, then he was trying to get to the Chewy Center. <laughs> Man. So yeah, I'd rather hit an armadillo than the gator. All right. So everybody out there listening tonight, you can see we went from ham radio to deers and alligators, armadillos, and okay. armadillos. Let's say it's the end of the show, guys. We we ran out of stuff to talk about tonight, so we moved on to. Uh, uh, to animals. Next episode, we, we, we're going to have recipes on how to cook the roadkill. That's right. Yeah, yeah they've got right. those books. They're out. Yeah. Roadkill for the holidays. Uh, that's right. Hey, uh, thanks everybody for watching out there uh, tonight, and uh, also thank you for tuning in on WBCQ and Shortwave. We uh, we're glad you joined us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining. Let's see, Glenn. I don't I don't have your video queued up anymore, but uh, I already. I already queue that thing up. I'm going to have to try to put aluminum foil on the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, I think I'm going to go ahead and sign out. And uh, thank you for being with us tonight. <laughs> Had fun tonight, as always. We'll, it's popcorn we'll see you, night. We'll see you next week.
Thanks, yeah, I have to rewatch the video from what I missed earlier. So that must have been important stuff that I missed. In the yeah, the earlier. important, the real important stuff was in the first few minutes, especially where we explode. Uh, <laughs> where we explode this guy right. Let's see. Well, there I am standing next to it. That's uh, yeah, that's that's. Somebody w in the chat room made a comment. Tom Goodyear would like to have their blimp back. Have the what? Blimp back? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. W5KB 101. It's going to be launched here in the next week. And uh, let's just you know, say, let's just say we uh, let's just say we blew the end out of it. We lost about a foot of it. You know, Glenn, I, I may have told this on a show about a year ago, but I had a friend who was a blimp pilot who was also a ham. And he was flying over Candlestick Park. And I lived in the Berkeley Hills and I could see him flying. And I uh, had a girl over, and I said, this is, and I hold up, held up my ICOM 2AT, and I said, this is the most powerful remote control device in the world. Do you see that blimp over there? Yeah. I said, blimp yeah. up, and the blimp went, me. Oh, man, I that's said, cool. blimp down, and it went, ah. Blimp left, it went left. And she was super impressed. And uh, I had prearranged this before she came over with my friend.